Welcome to the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, featuring stellar conversations with emerging and established Wickedly Smart Women. Thanks for joining us today as we celebrate women who are committed, care deeply, and have the courage to take action and create conscious change all around the world. Now here's your Wickedly Smart host, Angel B. Hartwell. Welcome to another episode of the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, where we celebrate wickedly smart women and provide our listeners with a wealth of wisdom, along with immediately actionable steps to be smarter, spunkier, and more successful in their impact and their leadership. This is your host, Angel B. Hartwell, and today we welcome our special guest, Dr. Laura Sokola. Dr. Laura is a leadership communication and influence expert, speaker, author of Speaking to Influence, Mastering Your Leadership Voice, and host of the podcast, Speaking to Influence, Communication Secrets of the C-Suite. Her mission is to transform executives into confident, inspiring leaders. As the founder of Vocal Impact Productions, she has trained and coached executives at Comcast, IBM, the U.S. Department of Commerce, and Women Against Abuse, along with leaders from around the world. Laura's TEDx talk, Want to Sound Like a Leader? Start by Saying Your Name Right, has nearly 7 million views. I am so excited to welcome you to the show, Dr. Laura. We met one another in a a program around podcasting that was put together by a mutual friend of ours. So I'm excited that you're here. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for inviting me, Angel. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to talk about you being a leadership communication and influence expert. Okay. And let's let's talk about, was this something that you knew that you were when you were a child? Were you the, the gal who was like just impacting and influencing all of your friends and having them follow the leader? Or did your own leadership and your communication and influence skills come further down the line. It's funny. The first thought that went into my head as you began the question was, were you always, or did you always know my older son is in college now? And it just reminded me of a conversation when he was applying to colleges and trying to figure out what did he want to be when he grew up? And he said, he asked me, did you always know that this is you wanted to do? And I looked him square in the eye and said, sweetheart, I didn't know what I do now was a thing until somebody offered to pay me to do it. I was a teacher. I am a, I like to refer to myself as a recovering academic and accidental entrepreneur in many ways. And where what was natural for me was I've always been a talker. I've always liked to connect with people, like to, I was never afraid of a microphone per se, not that everything that I do is in front of a microphone, but just the ability to connect with people. And I've always been motivated by the need to understand and the need to be understood. And whether it was through foreign languages or through other contexts, it has kind of evolved into this uh, very great fit now of a career that I absolutely love. Mm, Beautiful. So let's talk a little bit then for our listeners about that process by which you maybe left academia and Mm -hmm. came into this career, because I think a lot of our listeners may have found themselves in careers that they now need to transit out of. Mm, And a lot of people look at speakers. I mean, I did. I don't know whether you did, but a lot of people look at speakers and think to themselves, I should be able to do that. I could do that. 
So let's talk about that transition phase. Like, how did you know it was time to leave? And how did you have this come on the work that you do now come on the radar? Sometimes there are those lightning bolts from the blue moments that pivot your career. And maybe it's just a one millimeter shift in the moment, but over time, that creates quite the the different path. I had just defended my dissertation doing my PhD at the University of Pennsylvania here in Philadelphia. And the intention was tenure track, the full-time professorship route. And I was at my cousin's wedding and just chatting with someone at the reception. And he asked me about my research, about what I was doing. And he said, you know, I've always had an interest and an instinct in what you do, but I never had the data to back it up. You have the data. And I think it's relevant. Would you be open to doing a training for my team? And I thought, you know, I'm a teacher. I'm a yeah, sure that's something that I can do. Why not? And it turned out he was the vice president of government programs at IBM. So I had a contract for granted a one day event, but nevertheless, that was my first taste of entrepreneurship and seeing what it was like. And about maybe two months later, there was something equally serendipitous where quite literally someone called the university and asked, I was I was teaching as an adjunct, as a part-time professor at the time, and someone asked a question of, I guess, the operator, not knowing exactly how to frame what it was, and they got misdirected to my extension. And when I understood what they were looking for, I was able to say, here's the office you should be talking to, Here's the person, here's the number, here's how you frame what it is that you want. And frankly, here's what you can expect. I worked in that office for six years. You know, good luck having the university bring this customized program you seek to you without a million lawyers and several years of negotiations and all that kind of stuff. But if you're looking for someone to do that and you don't get the answer you are looking for, call me back because I can do that myself. That was my space. And it turned out he was from HR at Chase. So before I knew it, I had a four-month contract with the bank. And I think that was God's way of saying, in case you didn't get the first hint, Mm. here's a second one to keep you going. And at that point, I realized, you know what? This is interesting. It's challenging. It's lucrative. It's exciting. It's fun. Maybe this is where I belong. And so there was a little bit of an evolution there afterwards in that I didn't just jump ship. I stayed teaching part-time for the next five years, really, until because I wasn't a business person. I didn't know how to market my services. I had had no aspirations along those lines. And of course, that was the summer of 2008. Well, we all know what happened at that point. Mm -hmm. So quite instantly, Fortune 50 companies stopped raining out of the sky and offering me money. And then I had to figure out what to do to make ends meet. So it was about five years of ramp up before I realized now I need to fish or cut bait and make a decision because I was turning down a lot of opportunities to go and speak at places or do trainings if they were on a day when I had to be on campus to teach or Mm -hmm. if they required travel on a day when I had to be on campus. And I just thought, you know what, keeping the subsistence level from the university stipends of sorts was not making financial sense anymore. I had to really make the commitment. And so about 11 years ago is when I finally just cut bait and said, all right, I'm in, let's do it. Well, let me ring the bell for making a decision. (laughs) (laughs) Something I love it. I love it when people say the words, I made a decision, because that's really the only way you're going to change things is by making a decision. So I want to take a second here because... What I'm hearing in this story is 
a few things that I, I just want our listeners to hear. One, you had this random out of the blue thing happen. Mm-hmm. Now, I would be willing to bet everyone who's listening has had at least one random out of the blue thing happen in their life. And many times we don't say yes to the thing. So can you talk a little bit about when that moment happened? Like, where did you get the courage or the chutzpah or the ovaries or whatever it was to say, you know, well, I'm an academic, but sure, I'll do this deal. What was the internal process that you went through that allowed you to say, sure, I'll do this? And and was it something that kind of happened in that moment? Or is it something that's really a part of you that you are a yes, you know, somebody who says yes from way back? A little of both mm. and circumstantial at the same time. There were, what he was asking me to do was take my expertise and share it mm. with somebody else in a slightly different way, different context than I was used to. But I was a teacher. That was my background. So a business training presentation isn't all that different from a classroom instruction lesson. Of course, the people are different, et cetera, but nevertheless. So that wasn't out of the comfort zone. And it wasn't like at that moment, I just walked into his conference room and started speaking. And it was a couple of months away. I had time to prepare. And we had multiple conversations because that was a chat over cocktails. Hmm. We had to follow up and really nail out what is this going to look like? What hmm. tell me about your people? Tell me about I had a lot of research to do to figure out who am I talking to and hmm. what is the value of this? And I do remember at one point after having either the second or third conversation where we had really come to the understanding of the logistical agreement, financial hmm. and otherwise, and hanging up the phone and thinking to myself, oh my God, what did I just agree to do? And like the reality of of that commitment and stepping out of my comfort zone of the classroom really hit me full swing. But I have always appreciated the challenge, something new. And the other part that was a big shift for me was that when I was looking for those full-time faculty jobs, what I realized very late in the game was that there are exceptionally few, nobody's hiring full-time anymore. They'd rather a bunch of part-timers at universities, people in the social sciences. I was in education and linguistics. They pay horribly. I made more 10 years before that teaching elementary school in Los Angeles. How'd that happen? I just spent seven years getting a PhD for a pay cut. That was a horrible revelation. And they were jobs that were in places that I was not interested in living. I'm a city girl. I need concrete. So that was kind of a requirement. And honestly, Angel, my motto became, I was never motivated by money until you told me I couldn't have any. I love that. Oh my God. And <laughs> the jobs that were being offered were jobs that, and I didn't need to live on a lot, but they were horrible, right. unsustainable, unlivable salaries. And I was single at the time. Hmm. It's not even like I had a family to take care of or, you know, bills of any magnitude. So, and I still didn't know how I was going to live off of it, even Hmm. at a super basic level. So I thought something's got to give. And when these opportunities came to do some consulting work, that was going to fill the financial hole. So let's make ends meet. And then I got the taste for it, of course, and enjoyed that. And I stayed teaching for a while. So I filled that desire as well. I had one foot in both camps Hmm. for as long as I could until it was a matter of 
making the decision. Yes. Making the commitment, making the decision. Well, chase two squirrels. Yeah. And, and I love that. I think that it's important for our listeners to hear that, that, you know, for some people you take the flying leap. I took the flying leap. I jumped out of real estate at the end of a 20 year career after serving as the national chairperson for my trade association, finished up a multi-million dollar project with two partners and had a spiritual awakening. And I just Mm -hmm. like literally flew right out of my old career. I'm a leaper. There are people like me who leap. And then there are more people who are straddlers who actually build a bridge from one career to the next career. And so I want our listeners to know that either way, Ultimately, when it's time to make the decision to sever yourself from what carried you up until now, that's what needs to happen. You need to use the sound of your voice. You need to lead your yourself in the direction of, of your next best step and be willing to fish or cut bait. I love that. So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about how you can find out about Dr. Laura, connect with her, book her to speak, hire her as a consultant to help you with your communications. But right now we are going to go to the break. Before we do, though, we need your help. Wickedly Smart Women, if you're enjoying this show, please consider joining our community making a donation at wickedlysmartwomen.com and sharing with your lovely lady friends that might benefit from our content. Please help a gal out and let your sisters, mothers, daughters, friends, and colleagues know about the show so that we can serve them too. I have a few celebrations today. We are now downloading in 110 countries, which is awesome. We are also celebrating that we have been nominated for two additional awards. So we have nine awards now. And so that will be award 10 and award 11. And we'll find out about those shortly. I'll let you all know when we find out about those. And I also want to celebrate that we are now, we have completed four years of being on the air and we are in our fifth year and we're working on our second volume of Wickedly Smart Women, Trusting Intuition, Taking Action and Transforming Worlds, that book that we came out with last year. We're coming out with another one. So we look forward to serving more women to get their voices out, their stories out, and to have women around the world be inspired by our guests and our co-authors. So with that said, we are going to shout out this week to our listeners in Philly, and we'll be right back with Dr. Laura Sicola. The Wickedly Smart Women podcast is brought to you by the Wealthy Life Mentor. Women, are you on the edge knowing that life is calling you to make a change? Are you ready to be part of the evolution of what it means to be a wickedly smart woman creating your wealthy life by design, a life that is an extraordinary work of art? Angel B. Hartwell, the Wealthy Life Mentor, is hired by women in transition Women just like you who want to break through to their brilliance, become clear on the value of their wisdom, and embody a beauty-filled, balanced life of shameless self-expression. Discover your Wealthy Life readiness by taking the quiz at quiz.wealthylifementor.com. And we are back with Dr. Laura Sokola. You can find out more about her at Vocal Impact Productions. 
www.thisisthefirstbookshow.com. We will have that for you in the show notes. So let's talk now, Dr. Laura, about once you made the decision 11 years ago, congratulations, what were the like most exciting client stories? Like, can you tell us one or maybe two of your most exciting client stories, whether it was a financial win or a real win for the status, the level of the company that you worked with, or just a win for the client working with you? The the beauty is that I have training that I do. There's one-on-one coaching and I do speaking engagements. So I have a lot of fun in a lot of different ways from day to day. So there's a lot of different kinds of wins to pull from. One of which was a one-on-one coaching scenario where the person that I was brought in to work with was the senior vice president of finance at a relatively large company, public and He knew that he was the heir apparent to the CFO role, understanding that within a couple of years, the CFO would be moving out. And at one point, the board gave him a gift. They came up to him directly and said, in no uncertain terms, when you talk, we don't understand you. So fix it. Or when the spot opens up, we are going to find somebody else. Talk about a succession planning. I don't even know what the right word is, but just as far as a a point of no return, let's put it Mm -hmm, that way, career mm -hmm. derailer. So they called me and I had time to work with this person and figure out what was it that even though he was a genius, no one questioned his financial savvy, his unique technical expertise. And he'd gotten as far up the chain of command as he had, but was having trouble making that last shift, proving that he had what it took to be at that top tier. And my job was to figure out why. And we worked together for about six months and identifying how he needed to connect with the board and with other people, what it was about what he was presenting and sharing, how he was doing it, the content, the delivery, stories, voice, all of the above, and figured out how to reverse engineer a lot of it and then redirect his approach in a way that would still be authentic, that was still going to let him be him, but in a way that could get through. Because I find most senior leaders, or many at least, and not so senior for that matter, we get stuck in the expert's curse. Mm. The expert's curse is where we know too much Mm. about our area. And we forget what's not obvious to everybody else, what's not intuitive to everybody else, Mm. what's not necessary or what is necessary to everybody else. How many details should we fill in? How much context? What's over their heads? What's way lost in the weeds. And he, in many ways, had lost the ability to discern that. Mm -hmm. So once we got clear on the what to share and how to share it in a way that would be digestible and relevant and interesting, and most importantly, of course, compelling and inspiring Mm -hmm. to the board, that's when he started to hear a lot more yeses. Uh, And he is now CFO. Excellent. What a great story. Well, it's something I heard in the entrepreneurial realm, which kind of ties over to what you're saying is there are people who are technicians and you can be a technician forever, or you can move out of being the technician and start being in the role of acquisition. So in this Mm -hmm. case, it was for him, the acquisition of that role, the CFO role. And then at the top level is when you become the entrepreneur. And so Mm. I think everyone, even in corporate 
environments, maybe even as much in, in corporate environments as in the the more solopreneur, small business owner, entrepreneurial environments, when you're in that role, you have to lead. You've got to lead. You've got to lead your own life. You've got to enroll people in your vision and your mm -hmm. dream for yourself and for the organization. So let's talk about leadership, Dr. Laura. I'd love to hear you share with us maybe, you know, one or two points of the importance of being able to clearly communicate and know that it's landing so that everyone is going to win. So much of that, Angel, is we tend to not remember what we need to do in order to be effective is to start with the end in mind. We tend to go into a, whether it's a one-on-one, -on -one, a meeting, a presentation, one-to-many, it doesn't matter, but thinking about, okay, what do I want to say? What do I want to share? What do I want them to know? As opposed to thinking, who are they? Mm -hmm. What do they need to know? Mm -hmm. What do they need to do with this? Mm -hmm. What other pressures or influences are coming from their end? And then reverse engineering and saying, okay, if that's what they are, that's their filters, mm -hmm. and I need to convey X, how can I go and deliver this information? What and how mm -hmm. I share it? to make sure that it gets through. It's like we get into the car on this conversational journey. We turn on our GPS and we say, go. And the GPS goes, where? Mm. We didn't plug in a destination coordinate. If you don't give it an address, it can't calculate the route. And in conversation, we forget to figure out what is my ideal destination. We just get in the car and start talking, as it were. Mm. So... Ideally, what we need to bear in mind is that in every exchange that we have, formal or informal, there are three levels of impact. Mm. And those three levels of impact are cognitive, emotional, and behavioral. In other words, when we are done communicating with this group, how will they be thinking differently? What will they know? What will they understand? What will they believe? A little bit different. How will they feel how will you have made them feel something, maybe curiosity, maybe openness to a new idea, maybe awareness of the urgency or the importance of something, up to you. And maybe ideally inspiration, of course, is always a good one. And then the third is the behavioral or what are they going to do? What response do they want? What actions do they we want them to take? What do we want them to say to us? Maybe not verbatim, maybe it is verbatim, but in deciding what we want those three components to be, what impact we want to have on those three levels, then calculate that route. And you'll be so amazed at how much more effective you are and getting those results, getting those yeses that you seek. That's where we tend to miss the boat. Mm, beautiful. I want to um, take the last couple of minutes here to talk about your TEDx talk. Sure. Can you tell us a little, give us a little bit of that just to tease people, then maybe they'll go over and watch it. And we've already got 7 million views. Let's make it 8 million, right? That sounds great. <laughs> Love it. Spread yeah. it far and wide. So uh, what, do you, what do we mean by want to sound like a leader starts saying your name right? What does that mean, Dr. Laura? The beauty of that example is that the TED Talk itself is about 15 minutes, and it's very much mm -hmm. just talking in, about what we've been discussing as far as how to align what you say and how you say it 
in a way that's going to get through to the audience and get the results that you're looking for. Establishing yourself as a leader, that leadership image, having that presence mm-hmm. in the way that you speak that doesn't just demand respect, but actively commands it mm-hmm. through your presence, through your communication style. So in backing up the example that I use is to the extent that when we talk to other people, most people would agree that they're pretty bad at remembering names. It's not a strength, shall we say. But part of the reason why is because most people, quote unquote, say their names wrong when they introduce themselves, which makes it harder for us to understand and remember what it was that they had said. And when we say our names to people, we tend to do a couple of things that sabotage their ability to remember our names, which makes it hard for them to remember us, to follow up with us. You only want to ask somebody to repeat their name maybe once, if that. Otherwise, we just sort of smile and nod and pretend we understood. Mm-hmm. But then they're not comfortable with us because they're like, dude, what was her name? Oh, shoot, I can't remember. Anne, Amy, Angela, shoot, it was something. So how do we fix that? Number one, we speak too fast because we've said our name a million times and we forget that it's not predictable for mm-hmm. anybody else. So slow down and say it much slower than feels normal to you when you do it. It doesn't sound oddly slow to them. Number two, we tend to slur our whole name together as if it's just one word. Hi, I'm Laura Scola. How many words are there? And so to separate your first name from your last name, put a little break or a little extension between the two so they can hear, here's part one, here's part two. They need to be able to identify how many pieces there are to your puzzle. And the third one, we often tend to ask our names as if it were a question. Hi, I'm Laura Sokola. With that rising tone, Mm. it's like, I think. You just go, Mm. if you don't know, how should I know? Figure it out and come back to me. Otherwise, Mm. I can't spare the brain cells to try to retain something that may not be accurate. So what we want to do is put our first name on the up. It's like saying there's more. Then we have that little pause that I mentioned. So they know, okay, part one is received, prepare for part two. And then our last name, go down. It's like putting a period at Mm. the end of the sentence. So I'm Laura Sokola, up, down, Angel Hartwell. And just that may feel a little awkward to say it in the beginning. Trust me, the person who's listening is going, okay, I got that. That makes sense. I can understand that. I can remember that. And they are unconsciously thanking you for doing it. And you will be the only name that they remember by the end of the night. Oh, beautiful. Well, Dr. Laura Sicola, (laughs) (laughs) what I am hearing in that, and I want our listeners to hear as we're getting ready to close here, is that Dr. Laura is someone, if you are a leader looking to increase your influence, she is coming in and supporting with the tiniest elegant moves that are going to make huge impact. That's what I'm hearing here. Yes. And so, you know, oftentimes people are looking for like, what's the big thing that I can do to make the change that I want in my life? And it's often these little tiny itty bitty tweaks that can have a ripple effect and an impact that is profound. So. I'm excited that you came today, Dr. Laura, and I'm going to encourage anybody who's out there who is booking speakers to certainly consider Dr. Laura to come in and speak to your organization, or if you're looking for a coach, or if you are just looking for some of these wonderful little 
elegant moves, as one of my mentors used to say. I'm sure she drops these gems on her Speaking to Influence podcast. Listeners, we do love feedback. Please let us know what you thought of today's episode. Go right now to wickedlysmartwomen.com to join our community, share your takeaways, ask questions, or submit guest suggestions. Thanks so much for tuning in. Keep your ears open. And remember, you are a wonderful woman. Thanks for tuning in, downloading, and listening. Be sure to rate and review Wickedly Smart Women on Apple Podcasts and share with other women who can benefit from today's episode. Wickedly Smart Women is the premier podcast series for informing, activating, and inspiring the leader who carries profound wisdom and knows that now is the time to welcome wealth. We welcome your feedback and guest suggestions and invite you to subscribe to our mailing list to be notified of each new episode at wickedlysmartwomen.com.